Mondays, conversations about living life a little differently. I'm Fiona Barrows, a business mentor and brand strategist for creatives. Hello again and welcome back. Uh, Before I get on to talking about this week's guest, I just wanted to say a little something about my new mentoring packages. If you listened to the conversation I recorded with Kate a couple of weeks ago, you'll have heard that I've pivoted my business from copywriting to creative business mentoring. One of the things that's come up time and time again on this podcast is just how lonely walking your own path and running your own business can be. And that's definitely something I've experienced as well. So if you're currently feeling lonely and confused right now, unsure of how to move forward, then I'd really love to get in that trench with you and help you to figure things out. I have a few different packages available. So if you are interested, then please do head over to my website. Right. On to this week's episode, and I am chatting to Hannah Bullivant, who I'm sure most of you know. We covered a lot of ground in our conversation, including talking all about her life book course and the importance of setting kind goals for yourself, how her and her husband manage both being freelance and how they make it work, and also about her work as an interior stylist and why our homes really matter to us. I left our conversation feeling really positive about things, determined to try to get out of my own cycle of setting unattainable goals for myself and then bashing myself over the head with them when I don't reach them. I'll let you know how I get on with that. Um, But until then, here is our conversation. Enjoy. Hi, Hannah. Hello. Thank you so much for agreeing to talk to me today. Thank you very much for having me. I love Uh, a podcast interview. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've been following you on Instagram for quite a while now. And I think because you talk to stories quite a bit, I feel like I know you quite well. Yeah, yeah. So quite a few people say that actually, but I feel that about other people. And sometimes I'll see a friend and I'll be like, I haven't seen them in a few months, but I actually know everything about them because I watch their stories. Yeah. Um, but I love stories for that. Yeah, me too. And I do like how you feel like you do really get to know someone. Although I do find it quite weird when someone, I meet someone for the first time and I've never, I don't follow them on Instagram and I've never heard of them. And they know so much about me and I know yeah. nothing about them <laughs> yes yes that is a bit awkward that happens sometimes to me too <laughs> yeah it's just it's just a bit weird when they're like oh and how was your breakfast the other day and you're like I don't even know your name <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's a bit strange isn't it Instagram really it is. um but anyway um for anyone who doesn't know you would you mind introducing yourself uh saying a little bit about who you are and what you do and how you are living life a little differently um, of course. So I am Hannah Bullivant and I am a stylist and a writer. Um, and I've been blogging for a really long time, a really long time. I want to, I think it's like 13 or 14 years even. Oh, wow. maybe, not quite, maybe not quite that long. 10 years. It's, it's more, it's like 10, 10-ish years anyway. Um, and uh, yeah, it started sort of started as a side thing because I found my job at the time a bit creatively unfulfilling. Um, and it's because of my my blog that I was able to uh, become a freelance stylist, um, and that's morphed into lots and lots of different things. So I'm a sort of typical multi passionate <laughs> um, person in that I talk about interior styling, and my vibe is very much styling for uh who you are and what you love not following trends so it might I sort of talk about soulful styling a lot um and I also talk quite a lot about journaling and writing because they are just things that I'm passionate about and have massively helped me so um yeah amazing and has your blog always been in a similar theme or did you start off with something a bit different 
It's been vaguely similar. So um, it began as a bit of a sort of, I was just documenting our life in London, like some of the fun day trips we were doing and some of the things I was making. And um, I've always loved interiors. So it was like how I'm decorating our flat and things like that. So, um, and it was uh, because of me blogging about my flat that I was contacted to have my house in Homes and Antiques. and that is how it snowballed. It's a bit of, it's a bit more complicated than that, but that's kind of how I ended up being a stylist. So um, yeah, it's quite a cool story, really. Um, yeah. And yeah, so and, and I still now, talk about it. Yeah, you've now moved out of London. You live in Kent, yes. right? Yes, that's right. Um, and you have two sons. I have a, a seven-year-old daughter and a two-year-old son. Oh, sorry. That... <laughs> Having that's said okay. how well I know you, I'm now like, wait, hold on. That's not quite right. <laughs> um, and you have something called the Life Book Course. It started off as a January book, am I right? Yes, that's right. Um, would you mind telling me a little bit about that and, um, and what it is and how it works? Yes. So this is something that was just for me and my, actually, and my husband for years and years and years before I even thought that other people might be interested in it. Um, And it was very much an audience led thing. (laughs) So um, basically, it is a sort of personal appraisal of your life. That's the that's the quickest way to say it. Um, And it's a process that me and Dave came up with 10 years ago now. Um, And it was at the time we were trying to make something happen in our life. I think, we were trying to do some traveling um, and we decided to make this plan and uh, it, it we included in that plan a review of the previous year and it became such an incredible conversation that we were like oh we need to do this every year and over the successive years um, it's changed it changed quite a lot and we incorporated some of the mistakes and learnings and influences from other people into the process um, and as Instagram when Instagram came along um I loved it and I was talking about me and Dave doing our January book and and people started saying what is this January book what can you know can I do it and I was like oh this is just a notebook that me and Dave use you know so um uh yeah so uh, I guess um and so then I think the year after that I was like oh maybe I should make this into something that my audience can do as well so I wrote a free download thinking oh maybe a few people, a handful of people might be interested in it. And it had like over a thousand downloads oh, wow. um, in the, in, yeah, in the first um, like few weeks or something. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. There's, there's an appetite for this. And so this January, um, I made it into an e-course. Um, so I just, it was just a way for me to give much more in-depth content and videos and lives and worksheets and all the rest of it. So um, yeah. And it, the, the, the vibe of it is it's, um, it's like a radically kind planning and review uh, process. So yeah, that's kind of um, how I've been describing it. Um, because quite a lot of the goal setting and review stuff um, just makes me feel exhausted reading it. Yeah. Um, and um, I just find it not applicable to my life at the moment. Um, and so the system that I have now is it's inherently kind and it's super flexible and it's really adaptable to wherever you are right now so yeah anyway so that's so that's a life book and it's about to go as we are recording it's about to go on sale again um but yes yeah Um, I mean that just sounds incredibly (laughs) refreshing to me because I mean I think we all felt it this January there's just so much stuff about sort of new year's resolutions and everyone carries the same new year's resolutions over from last year which they didn't fulfill that year and somehow thinks that they're going to 
do them this year and they are the opposite of i think what you say about kindness towards ourselves is really important because so often new year's resolutions are about sort of deprivation and being hard on ourselves and thinking well what didn't we do last year what didn't we accomplish um where are we going wrong yeah a lot it's a it's it's like we're punishing ourselves and it's Mm. not just new year's resolutions any kind of goal any kind of resolution i want to do this in my business or i want to do this in my personal life often it's born out of a place of beating ourselves up or feeling inadequate and feeling like we need to be punished and feel or feeling like the only way to get there is to punish ourselves into getting it or to hate ourselves into getting it um so yeah it's like yeah, I think there's a lot of sort of bullshit in, around the goal setting and uh, business planning and life planning sort mm. of um, worlds. So, yeah, for sure. I also really like that you're launching it now in sort of April, because I think for a lot of people, this has felt like the real new year. This sort of yes. like the beginning of April has felt like, OK, now I can actually start properly because I think January, February was just really hard for a lot of people, I think. I am about to launch a freebie all about how to review a goal that you've made in the past um, or t- and to redo a quarter point review because April is the first, uh, April marks the beginning of the second quarter of the year. Um, and I find that the quarter points are brilliant natural checking in points if you for mm. any kind of goal setting. Um, and I absolutely love that it's so in tune with the seasons as well. So um, in the freebie that I'm giving out, I'm talking a little bit about some of the corporate planning um side of it which you know many corporate um businesses use a quarter point or 12 week planning uh, sort of cycle um and then i'm also talking about the sort of natural cycles of mother nature mm. as well and i just yeah i just love that both of those work so whether you sort of consider yourself a bit of a hippie or your background is really like corporate that this have, having doing this sort of quarter point review um is just going to really work so um yeah I really like that. I like how you're kind of using both of those things. And because I think so often we almost do follow the natural rhythms without realising it. Exactly. And spring is a much more natural time to launch projects. And Mm. uh, yeah, so and I talk a bit about that as well. But I think, yeah, lots of people in January just haven't got the the wherewithal to kind of, you know, really make stuff happen. I like January as a time for thinking and planning. That's my personal preference. Mm. But in terms of what actually doing projects, starting things, nurturing things, um, planting seeds, uh, you know, figuratively and literally, then now is the perfect time to do it. Hmm. And you talk a lot about uh, tingly goals in your sort of life book course. Um, How do you define them? And what does that sort of, what what do they mean to you? So this is all uh, goes back to the um, thing about kindness. So, um, creating a tingly goal is when you make a goal for yourself that feels so good that it kind of gives you tingles rather than gives you a sense of dread or guilt or shame that's possible that's the um shortest way of of describing that Uh, and there is sometimes when so my process will prompt people to to say you know to ask themselves is this goal rooted in kindness and does it make you feel tingly Sometimes people, because I've now done this with hundreds of people, so sometimes they'll they'll be like, um, God, no, it's not rooted in kindness at all. But I do think the goal 
is right for me, then it can sometimes just be a case of rewording the goal so that it feels just slightly, just coming at it from a slightly different perspective um, can make all the difference and can make you feel more excited about it. Sometimes it's a case of just scrapping the goal altogether because actually when you really look at the reason you're doing something, it's not connected to your big picture or your why or your values and you're doing it because you think you should do it. Um, so it just feels crap and it's not likely to happen. I think that kind of goes like, to the heart of what my podcast is about that idea of like I think so often our goals are all based on what we feel we should do like how much money we should be making and where we should be focusing our attention and the things that we should have and we should work towards and so often they're just not right for us mm -hmm. yeah I think um, and one of the things that I the feedback that I've got from students is actually we aren't we don't give ourselves very much opportunity to actually even think about that because we're so busy just doing life, just going through our daily life and, you know, that it's quite rare to give yourself that slightly, the opportunity to step back and just look at your life, both work and personal, in a sort of strategic way and be like, is that thing that I'm going for actually right for me? <laughs> or am I doing that because yeah. that person told me that I should do it? Or because culture, you know, society tells me that I should look a certain way or earn a certain amount of money or behave this way with my family. Um, you know, what's actually right for me? Um, and again, that's where the life book process sort of has worked um, well for us because the first part of it is all about figuring out what your values are. And we, uh, I call it what your big picture is. Um, mm. so that literal stepping back out of the sort, you know, so you can step back and look at the bigger picture of your life and be like, oh, right. Okay. This is who I am. Even that. And this is what I'm about. And this is what, this is, this is what I want. <laughs> um, even that, mm. that process is, isn't a common thing. That's quite a new thing for quite a lot of students on the e-course. Mm. So, yeah. And I also think it takes a lot of bravery as well to say, actually, this is what I want and this is what I'm going to work for. Um, and this is what I'm going to focus on. Yes, it, it, it really does. Um, so I talk a lot about kindness um, uh, in the course, but that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, it, it, I'm not necessarily saying that, that therefore you won't be stretching yourself in any way or, you know, because actually mm. sometimes the kindest thing you can do for yourself is the hardest because and the bravest thing. So, yes, like you said, like, uh, you know, actually giving yourself the chance to really think about what what you want is quite a brave thing um, and it's not sometimes it's it, it, it can it can bring up uncomfortable feelings you know there is a there's a you know there has to be space for the fact that you may not be totally happy with where you're at or you may be the reason that you want your following something is because you you feel like you should rather than you actually want to and you know those feelings are sometimes not great <laughs> but it's really yeah. important to at least have the realization because that realization is really powerful you know because then you can kind of I think there's also that thing where I think we think we because we've invested so much time and sometimes money in something that we don't want to give up on it, even though it's no longer right for us. I think there's like a technical term that I'm trying to remember oh. it's using like psychology, like sunk, sunk cost bias, sunk, I think. That's what, exactly what I mean. And I think we have that a bit with goals as well, because we think, oh, well, I've gone. I've you know, I've spent five years going down this career path or 10, 20 years going down this career path. You know, I shouldn't. I, you know, that's all wasted if I change my mind. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's, that's really, really true. Um, I actually had, I had to do a, I did a bit of a radical pivot in my sort of career stuff, maybe, I think it was three years ago now. And at the time I thought what I wanted to do was be a forest school leader. Um, and I was, oh, wow. uh, yeah. Um, and that's just born out of the fact that I love being in nature with my kids. So that, 
yeah, and that was yeah. um, where that came from. And I created content and a couple of workshops. And essentially, I just got I, I put quite a lot into into it. Um, and I had applied for the I put quite a lot of time into researching for the qualification and ap- applying for it. And then basically, I, I paused my application um, before I was before I paid for it, thankfully. But I just actually using the lifebook process I did a mid-year one and I was like I just don't think this there's something not right in it for me and even though I put quite a lot of time and energy into building this 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 career I realized that I did it's not something I wanted to monetize um I was just happy having that as something I enjoyed with my family um and yeah and instead I that's when I focused um I've always done interiors on and off, but from that point, I was like, okay, interiors is where I want to focus my time and energy. It's also more commercial, so there's more opportunities for uh, work in the interiors, and yeah, so... Uh, yeah, yeah. I quite like to kind of come back to your sort of like how the life book has how this sort of process has sort of helped you. But just quickly, I think that there's a couple of things there. That thing of first of all, we think we have to monetize our passions, mm-hmm. and I'm using that with like quote marks because that's the kind of word that's used, um, and that that's the kind of the answer to all our all our desires is that we you know we do something we love and then we never work another day in our lives which is obviously a load of bollocks yes um as anyone who works for themselves will tell will tell you and then also um that thing of i think sometimes we look at like jobs in isolation from the lifestyle that goes along with them and it's all about the job and the work rather than you know actually is this will this give me the lifestyle that Mm -hmm. i want like do i want to be sort of um wedded to I've thought for a long time I quite like to have a bookshop at some point in my life um but then I think about it do I want to be in a bookshop every single day and not have the freedom and flexibility to go you know on walking holidays or go traveling or anything like that um and I think it's yeah I think we sometimes kind of I think there's a lot of talk online sometimes that can be quite confusing and sometimes lead people in a bit of the wrong direction I think yes and I think I've seen that happen quite a lot as well when someone makes Mm -hmm. a goal um completely in isolation from what their actual capabilities are what the current what what their resources are as well so I find um all of that you know find something you love and you'll never work a day I just I also find that really really privileged um uh, infuriating me so as well because it's not it's just not it's just not as simple as that um so for some people everyone has a limited amount of resources to give to their just doing daily life and then being able to give a little bit of thought to trying to make wider goals happen. Um, But those resources differ wildly from person to person. Like Mm. if you have um, young kids or you're caring for elderly parents, for example, or if you're living with a health condition or you're disabled or, you know, or even if if you're like a black and minority ethnic or queer, do you know what I mean? All all of those, all of those things mean that you have to fight harder to just do life. Do you know, like, so, Mm. so, yeah. And also to not have a set, you need a safety net to do that as well. Yeah. And I think that's where the privilege comes in a lot mm-hmm. is that, you know, you need to know that, you know, very rarely do things start paying a full salary from the off. And, you know, you need to have that period of time where you're working on something and it's not paying you. And that takes immense privilege and immense you know, you need a safety net, I think. Yes, immense privilege financially and also just in terms of yeah. energy and resources and health and, yeah, so, mm. yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so going back to, so how has this process sort of affected you um, and your family and the um, the direction in which you've gone? Um, absolutely hugely 
almost in every way <laughs> so um because I mean, this was a personal thing for for many years so um and we did this personally um because it was so incredible for us so um I do the life book process primarily as an individual thing and and Dave does his own and then we also do some of the categories together like marriage and kids and family and like budget and some of the lifestyle ones um just because we live together and it makes mm. sense for us um but what going providing dedicated space throughout the year to ask each other and ourselves how we're doing against where we want to be has been incredible and it's literally like, like it's the reason we moved to Kent it's the reason we had our babies <laughs> and the reason that we both went freelance um and uh yeah it's 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 really been huge um so yeah <laughs> it's literally and yeah so massive what was how was that decision to both go freelance because as we've just spoken about safety nets obviously if both of you are freelance there's not much of one yes that's um very very right and this is the way that i feel like we are living life a bit differently as well so um we there's that we don't have very many people around us where both of of them are working mm. uh, freelance and the reason that we wanted to do that is because when we sort of had we were doing our big sort of life book chats I was sort of aware that I did want kids but I was like what I really don't want is I don't want to be a stay-at-home mum not for not for very long anyway and I really want to be sharing the parenting with Dave like I, that I just knew mm. that right from the off that that was a really important thing for me so we were sort of able to build it in um, and we were like well in order to do that you know, we either need to be both part time or we need to be doing this freelance thing. Um, so, uh, yeah, so we have been able to make it work. Um, I, I, I mean, sometimes I'm like, a, it's literally only just it's by the skin of our teeth. Like we rent our house. We haven't we haven't been able to afford. And I think that that will happen for us at some point in the future. Um, but, you know, certainly in this stage of our freelance lives where we also have young children um you know, choosing to live in a way where we are both able to kind of be involved with our kids and stuff and share that stuff does has had an impact on our earnings. And I know that some people, that's not the case, but that has been that has been the case for us. Um, so sometimes it's been quite hairy. And, I, and sometimes I felt quite irresponsible <laughs> as a parent, you know, to, to kind of be not be able to earn a you know, certain amount of money. Um, but yeah, it, it's also given us an incredible few years with our kids as well where we really have been around a lot um it's just yeah but in terms of the safety net definitely um we've just got by essentially just by living really thriftily and carefully uh and we have had to borrow money as well from friends and friends and um, family uh, in the past and that is itself a huge privilege um uh just to kind of make bills work and things but both things for both of us are now well are now picking up um and so we just manage it so that we have tried to put as much money as possible into savings for future months um so yeah what does dave do freelance he's a photographer and a director oh okay well then of course because you do styling things together don't you yes yeah Oh, okay. Um, I think that thing about it being irresponsible is really interesting because I think there is so much pressure on parents to always make responsible decisions and to always sort of play by the rules, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and whereas actually all kids really want is time with their parents. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, we, 
you know, obviously within reason yeah obviously you know along with food on the te- you know along with food and shelter and everything else but I'm yeah <laughs> yes um I think that's right and I think it's certainly been really lovely for me and Dave um I nearly just said me then because still culturally um it tends to be the mum who's the one that does more of the caring responsibilities and the domestic stuff not always I definitely know it's not always but um yeah certainly in my community on online and in real life that's the that's the case um uh but yeah it's so I sort of I do feel grateful that Dave is around but in a way I sort of feel like we shouldn't need to feel grateful for that like we are you know we both we we both are parents so um but yeah it's really it's yeah it's a complex weird uh, thing being both both of you being freelance and doing that thing where uh, of trying to be around for your kids and for each other so so it's not just leaving mm. one of us to do it all um but also then trying to put energy into the work that's going to get bring get you know sort of get the, the greatest return and all that kind of stuff so yeah, yeah I think it's because I know lots of um couples where one is freelance and the issue and it's normally the woman just purely purely out of who I know Mm -hmm. but the issue then is that the person who's freelance then becomes their work becomes less important because it's less structured and they then find they really struggle to kind of carve out the time and headspace against the demands of family life yeah that's I think that that's also the case for me again I'm in my online and real life community not totally but I would say the majority of of the time it is that um, and it tends to be the mums doing more of the domestic stuff and uh, the childcare stuff and the, the, the you know the nursery and school drop offs and pickups and um, remembering the remembering of things the remembering of school yeah. school letters and PE kit and organizing play dates and all of that domestic sort of labor as well the emotional labor of yeah. having a family essentially yeah um, and what is it about styling? Like, why did you kind of go, what was it about that that really drew you towards it? So I I would say that interiors um, and styling were probably my first love. So I, it's literally, I've just absolutely always loved it. I've grown up in a family. My mum always really loved interiors and all of my aunts did. Um, and I used to spend my... To my, my teenage years moving my bedroom furniture around and like <laughs> I, I'm like going to Ikea and stuff like I was such a, a nerd um, so um it's sort of born out of the fact that I've just always loved it um and then I think on a deeper level there's something for me I really believe in the power of home and um mm. my mum died when I was 10 so um oh, yeah I, I, we moved around quite a lot um and despite that I, I have been able to cultivate a really strong sense of home and um, and I think that that's that and we rent our house now and I and I still hugely believe that I can create a beautiful home for me and my family um, so there's I think that the what how we live in our homes matters it's not just a frivolous mm-hmm. thing and it's not just about pretty things in it, on a wall and um, it's about it's a little bit of how we express who we are um and i you know our homes is where we're our most vulnerable it's probably where we spend our most time where we're sleeping and eating and relaxing and hanging out with our families and friends and um, and i just think that how that home feels to be in operate in and move through um has a huge impact on how we live. So I'm interested in homes and interiors in a quite a deep way as well, in terms of the way that it's connected to our well-being and health and happiness um, and our passions as well, because there's ways that you can uh, engineer and 
manoeuvre the spaces and the things in your home to give yourself more of you know physical space for work for example that's a really big mm. thing or you know uh, or physical space for reading or for resting or whatever it is so that's I'm really interested in that I think homes like our homes can sort of encourage us to kind of do the things that we want to do and be the people we want to be yeah, ultimately I think that if you have like a really nice comfy chair if you want to read more then make sure you've got a really nice like comfy chair with a coffee table for your cup of coffee and you know and then that sort of encourages you to do that thing I think yes definitely and there's loads of different things like that um so um yeah I know that the if you know you want to be spending more time writing or developing a business idea do you have a functional joyful space in which to work in your home um, mm. and I'm not necessarily saying you know you should have a whole room and a beautiful desk but sometimes there's things that you can do to your work environment like slightly relocating it so it's a bit closer to a window completely decluttering the top of it uh, putting some flowers and a candle on it you know those slightly cliche, mm. cliche things but it does really make a difference it's sort of like an anointing of the space I know that sounds really woo but um and uh, when you put that energy into creating that space for, for working and writing, um, it helps. It, it hugely, it, it massively helps um, you to then be able to sit down and do the work that you want to do. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier your idea of sort of soulful living, which is, I'm guessing, or soulful, in, soulful interiors, which is, I'm guessing, the, sort of this idea and also that it really comes from the, the person themselves yes yeah um so when I help sort of helping clients with their spaces it's it's very much <laughs> about who who they are in there and and uh, what they're passionate about um very little is about trends and stuff although you know that that sometimes comes into it um and like I've, I write a column um, and uh, the, the latest column I've just written is about how to completely change the feel of your home for free, like entirely for free. So mm. I suppose I'm not like the typical interiors blogger, <laughs> so, which, which is often, again, very privileged. That word keeps coming up, doesn't it? But as in, it's like yeah. uh, buy these pieces and here's my shopping edit. And um, I'm just really not about that's not my kind of interiors. And I have all white walls and everything's perfect. And my house doesn't really look lived in. Like, it's just it feels like a showroom some of those yeah yeah it does and also like um really glorifying minimalism that's very cool at the moment it's like mm. so not about and actually I, I really preach decluttering but I'm not preaching decluttering so that you can live in a minimal home that isn't that's not at all what the object of decluttering is do you know what I mean like so it's also just about it's about creating and amplifying the joy in the spaces that mm. you can have and lots of us would benefit from having fewer you know less stuff around us especially if that stuff is broken or it doesn't fit or it noises or you know make or, yeah. or, or we hate it all that wasted energy is completely like you know that's I'm not there I'm not here for that but yeah I think that um yeah, there is a but, lot of that kind of showroom. Um, yeah. Stuff. But it's also like, I like being surrounded by things that have memories yeah. and things that like I have an emotional attachment to um, and things that kind of remind me of like good days or positive feelings. And I'm a big believer in no clutter as well and clearing out the sort of the, the crap that just kind of accumulates and you're, you know, the things that you're not even sure what they are anymore mm -hmm. and just kind of getting rid of all that stuff. But when it comes to the sort of, I'm not very minimalist. I think for a long time I sort of felt like I should be more and then was like, well, that's just not me. Yeah. Yeah, it's just about finding the balance for you in your home. Um, and I think that 
yeah, we should get rid of the stuff that, that that's stressing us out, that, that annoys us or all that kind of stuff. But it's not necessarily about getting rid of all of your stuff and living in a very minimal space. That, that's not, you know, that you, some people might just be really happy in, in quite in quite a full home with lots of stuff in it. Yeah. Um, but the, the key is just if it makes them happy and if, it, if it's functioning for, for them and their families. Mm. Um, and one of the things you write a lot about on your blog is sort of celebrating the seasons and also sort of celebrating the little moments I guess yeah. is that right and so why is that important for you um similarly to the writing stuff it's just because it's a big part of my life um and it's be- it became a, a much bigger part of my life when we moved from London um although I was still I was trying to operate and live in a seasonal way in London we lived in zone two and actually had a massive garden bigger than our garden now <laughs> so uh, yeah um so you know we had a little veg patch and and stuff but when we moved out to Kent um we live now we're much closer to the forests and the sea which is just lovely so um that really sort of amplified that um and also when we moved I found having lived in London for 10 years I found the move actually very uh it took me about a year to settle and it made me quite mm. down um yeah so basically yeah so and we moved in October so then we were straight into winter um and I just was like what have we done and basically <laughs> I found that going that 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 sort of practice of going outside going for walks and, and stuff hugely helped me to find my feet literally ground myself in the new place um and lifted my mental health which I haven't totally mentioned but my mental health is sort of up and down uh, I know you and I've mm. talked about this um online as well but um mm. it, it is up and down I've always had anxiety and I, I have sort of I've had sort of bouts of depression as well um but I just find that being outside hugely lifts me it just kind of really it, it just always has a very good effect on me so um mm. yeah I'm exactly the same and I find that getting out for a walk is the single most powerful thing I can do when I'm having I can't sometimes if my anxiety or depression is really bad I can't sometimes get out the house Mm -hmm. but if I can get myself out the house then it has such a positive effect on my well-being and even Um, literally sometimes so I've moved my desk so it's near the window sometimes actually just looking out of the window at the sky helps mm. me Um, so um because I suppose you know it's not always easy for everyone to be to you know to go for a walk or or be in the woods but I live in a town so I'm not really rural um and it's you know built you know there's houses around and stuff but um, I even just stepping stepping out of my front or back door and just looking up at the sky. Mm. I, even that, you know, I, like two minutes around the block is is really lifts me. Um, so yeah. yeah, I think it's interesting what you said about leaving London as well and finding it hard the first year because I think so often it's sort of talked about in a really glorified way of sort of you leave the big city and then you're out in the country and it's all, but it does take a bit of an adjustment. It does. Um, it's definitely been the right thing for us like that mm. you know I've been, I was forced to slow down and um, that was very much needed I didn't totally realize um, but yeah that you know we adopted a much slower pace of life there's literally there's just less stuff to do here so we're in mm. London um, when I was on maternity leave with Frankie um, I gave myself a challenge of, of go, visiting as many museums and galleries as I could and, and I did 40 <laughs> Wow. I was literally like (laughs) trekking around London with Frankie in the sling. Like, oh man. And that, 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 I, I miss that in a way, that sort of aspect of culture and, and, Mm. you know, art and stuff. Um, And okay, which is why 
I like going into London occasionally to get that sort of fix. But actually, I moved to the sleepy town. Everything, everything is closed on a Monday. And I was like, oh, this yeah, is really good. And, like, um, and the, yeah, so it just meant that I was in the house a lot more. And again, that's where interiors comes in, in terms of creating a nest and a place that really felt like it held us and held me. Um, became very important and, and spending time yeah, outside became more important as well. Yeah, I agree with you. I think there is something about, I mean, you know, I live in a town, there is a lot going on for a small town, but it's still, the options are limited, which I find helps the decision-making process because there's sort of only one place we can go for. I'm meeting some friends for a drink tonight. There's only really one place we can go. Um, And it just makes it very easy sometimes. Yeah. There's not that kind of overwhelming sense I sometimes got in London yeah absolutely I know exactly what you mean and occasionally I'm like oh I'm like we do so much less now <laughs> like when, yeah. when when before we had kids and when we just had one kid and when we were in London we used to be going out to visit markets and really enjoying and getting out and really feel oh, what's on this weekend and um our life is much much slower now <laughs> so but it's it's lovely it's lovely it's just you know um it it's actually much much healthier for me um so yeah and so it ended up being a very good thing but there was definitely a year of adjustment so I would say um but yeah I love it now but and how how do you sort of incorporate the seasons um sort of celebrating the seasons into your everyday life other than sort of like getting outside um so uh, uh, in terms of styling I'm always really drawn to natural sort of styling and textures and so I'll be collecting stuff whenever I'm outside I'm always collecting branches and tweaks and beautiful things um uh, so there's uh, that and I've written quite a lot about that sort of styling with what you find outside um I also mark the equinoxes and the solstices um mostly as a family occasionally we invite friends over and, and do that um and that always feels really lovely uh for my kids I do a mini little equinox and solstice sort of celebration with them I'm just really, oh, I really enjoy doing it um and again it's just regrounding we sort of get we'll get out like the spring books and um we'll probably have some little chocolate eggs and uh make dave's made some hot crust buns or something i don't know like that that sort of thing so mm. sometimes it's really simple it, like if dave and i are both on a project and there's no time it'll literally just be we'll have dinner that night and i'll light a candle and be like it's the equinox and that's it. because <laughs> so it doesn't always happen but if i have time then i try to do a, a, a you know pull together a, just a little special dinner basically um and so that you haven't sweet ebook um about sort of styling is it styling gathering yes a soulful gathering it's called um and what sort of inspired that um it that is because so as a stylist i have styled uh lots and lots of events over the last sort of five years <gasps> the nature sessions looked amazing yes it's happening it's i happening was i was following <laughs> i was following everyone on instagram as it was happening yeah <laughs> like, this looks incredible yes so um yeah, the Nature Sessions is a retreat that I sort of helped to found um, and sort of I run sessions at and I'm sort of ambassador for. Um, that's happening at the end of May into June. Um, and, but before that, I've done lots of other sort of events as well. And I've always really loved hosting as um, having people over. So we did that sort of our, in while we were in London, pre-kids having uh, dinner parties. And then, yeah, still have it now. And it looks very different now. It's not quite as styled and beautiful, but still... I just really love having people over <laughs> and, and I was like, okay, I think I've got quite a lot of experience and knowledge on a styling and making it look beautiful, but actually hosting and 
what you know yeah. uh, how to host with children in mind and how to host on a really low budget and how to host an eco-minded gathering and all that kind of stuff so uh, I wrote it into an ebook um and yeah so that's um that's sort of available all the time on my website I think that, uh, that sounds brilliant and I think so often it's sort of the little things it's it kind of turns something from sort of being something really mundane into something really special both sort of in terms of gatherings and also in terms of what you're saying about sort of celebrating the seasons and everything it's just it's very easy to kind of make something feel special I guess yes yeah, so uh, that's quite a lot of the advice actually so it's like you know there's there's a seasonal chapter in there um but yeah just about what what you know some ideas of things that will be naturally growing um in in each season and how you can display them and how you can incorporate them into your gathering and just getting inspiration from the season that you're in mm. as well so yeah it always works brilliant well. um we're almost out of time so i just wanted to ask you as i ask everyone uh what has been for you the hardest thing about living life a little differently um so the example that i've given in terms of living life a li- little differently is the fact that uh both and i both dave and i are freelance um so we sort of are co-parenting with our, our kids. Um, and the hardest thing is probably uh, the the financial aspect of that has, has been very hard mm. at times. Um, and I mentioned feeling irresponsible as a parent. You know, there's, there's, there's been those feelings. Yeah. Um, and having to weigh up the financial security versus being present and all that kind of stuff. And, and that balance has not always been right in the past. And um, we're always learning and it's always getting yeah. better. But yeah. So that's, there's that. Um, and also the fact that it's not totally that normal, especially for Dave. Um, in The directing and photography sort of industries are still very, um, very patriarchal, quite male dominated. It's still based on, you know, very ridiculous long hours and it's really mm. not accessible. Like, um, so the fact that he is, you know, he's quite known in the, as being someone who's like not always the one going out for drinks and coming home or, you know, ha- having Skype meetings. <clears throat> Um, and yeah, so I think that he feels him more than me is feel, he feels like he's sort of swimming against a tide a little bit as a man, I guess, doing that, Mm. um, doing that thing. Um, so yeah, that's really interesting. And I think I just curious when it comes to sort of, as you said, the financial aspect, have you struggled a bit with sort of the friends that you sort of had in London, seeing them sort of like get promotions and sort of is, has that sort of affected you at all? Um, I've noticed, I, I can see that I've got friends in London who are, yeah, have been promoted and are buying houses and, and have got, and, and are doing really, really well. And, um, no, I don't think it does affect me. I feel quite, I feel quite pleased for them. Um, yeah, I like our life. It's not always easy, but I kind of, you know, I feel quite proud of what we've built really. Um, and the fact that we have been able to be, uh, co it's not totally even co-parenting. I would say I probably still do more but it mm. balances so uh the end of last year was extremely busy for me and Dave did was took on the lion's share of all of that kid and domestic stuff and at the moment mm. he's really busy so I'm doing it a bit more and it sort of goes like that but I really like that I like that giving and taking and you can imagine yeah. that there's friction in that sometimes so that's the other bad thing about it like the arguments <laughs> and the you know me and Dave figuring out whose deadline is more important and stuff but we we get there <laughs> Yeah, I think that's really um, like lovely to you say that, you know, you just come back to I like our life. Like, I I think that's so important. Um, So what is for you the best thing about living life a little differently? Um, That, 
just that we are, have been able to have these years where we've both been around a lot while our kids have been young, um, which is something that we really wanted. Um, and I feel grateful because I think uh, it could have easily been the case that Dave uh, was working away all the time and therefore I was doing the huge majority of the sort of care and domestic um you know care and stuff um so it's been nice for me to to be able to really invest time and energy into my career as well um mm. that's enabled it's enabled me to continue to do that post having kids yeah which is amazing um and if um people where can people find you online so i am hannahbelevent.com um, and i'm hannahbelevent on instagram so they're the two places that i hang out the most <laughs> okay brilliant and I really recommend uh, everyone follows you on Instagram and watches your stories oh I love I love stories Um, my favorite part of Instagram (laughs) uh yeah I feel I feel like I said oh I've got a post on my grid when I'd much rather just kind of be in stories chatting and yeah um yeah much nicer um Hannah thank you so much for talking to me um today I really enjoyed our conversation I feel like I've learned so much um and um yeah I think everything you're doing just sounds amazing oh thank you it's yeah lovely it was lovely to chat then absolutely love it if you could rate review and subscribe to this podcast it really does help put in front of other people who might like it and i do a little happy dance every time i get a new review if you'd like to join in the conversation then please do come find me over on instagram i'm at f barrows you can also find out more about my new mentoring packages on my website www.fionabarrows.com and you can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter there letter and notes in which i share stories and insights from my own experience in living life a little differently until next time Thank you.